Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Chris Kaufman is here. Simon Clancy is here. And as always, we are brought to you by Prize Picks. Use promo code 5FIVE. F-I-V-E. You deposit $100, you get $100 back in a match bonus. It's a one time rollover, which means you can bet it through once and you get it right back. So it's essentially a free bet. And if you're following uh, our Twitter account at Three Yards Per Carry, I put up some, some plays out there. The one that I gave you yesterday hit three out of four. So that's pretty good. And the only one that I missed was, let me see, let me see which one did I miss. Rory McIlroy versus Brooks Kepka. And Brooks Kepka had seven birdies today. Rory McIlroy had four. So you can do the math from there. Brooks, Brooks Kepka is uh, leading the tournament right now at minus seven. And as always, we are brought to you by Better Edge. If you go to Better Edge, go to betteredge.com slash the number five reasons, and you get $25 just for signing up if you sign up with that link. All right. Hello, Simon. Hello, Chris. Hello, Alfred. <laughs> Alfred, what? Alfred. Yeah, I know. Where What's did that, that come from? Alfred? Alfred? It's Alfredo. I mean, I just, yeah, I don't know why I called you Alfredo. It's, I don't you know, know. literally okay. nobody has ever called me Alfredo in my life. Nobody. Do they ever call you Fredo? Never. <laughs> Alfie? The, uh, yeah. Alfie? Yeah, Alfie. Yeah, that's happened. Really? Yes. Never struck me as an Alfie. Yeah, Alfie. No, never struck me as an Alfie either. Yeah, Alfie is a, it's more jocular, uh, uh, like um, locker room nickname, Alfie. Just like you call Brooks Kepka Brooksy, you know what? What? What do you get called? What's your Alf? Okay, that's the same thing that you guys call me. Yeah, that's what everybody everybody calls me. Yes. Do yeah. you don't have some? You don't have some little nickname, some little pet name? Uh, nope, none. What does Only your wife call you? Uh, uh asshole. Usually. <laughs> that's about right. Uh, well, um. <laughs> What, uh, what, are you Chris, Chris? Am I, am I Chris? Yes, I, I'm, I yeah. am unfortunately Chris. It's like the most common and boring name ever. Do you have a middle name? Uh, I do, I do. It's, uh, it's, it's Joseph. It is, it is not, it is not Thunderhorse. Oh, what's yours, Alf? My middle name is Alberto. Alfredo Alberto. Wait, you are Arteaga. Alfredo Alberto? Yes. That's Arteaga. a lot of A's as well. Yes, three A's, yes. Wait, you're a triple A? Yes. Yes, I'm a triple A, yes. I don't know exactly what to do with that, but there's something there. I'll figure it hmm. out. Is the is a triple A a battery? Uh, it, yeah, it's a, tri- a triple A is a battery. It's also a car club, and it's also the minor league system of the Major League Baseball. Yeah, and it's that. also it, it, it's also the highest rating you can get on a uh, on a on a company's bonds. Yes, yes, it is a AAA rating. Yeah, absolutely. Although they started faking those in the, in the in 2007, and that's what causes uh, the the problem in 2008. Yeah, uh, isn't that why? Um, I was going to say, isn't that why the uh, the housing crash happened? Wasn't that the uh, <laughs> pretty much? They, uh... yes. Yeah, yeah. Ratings agencies kind of dropped the ball on that one. Yeah, the whole, yeah. Uh, the, the they whole, were saying that something prime... was triple A when it was actually uh, double B. That's know? right. Yeah, the whole subprime mortgage collapse was down to yeah, yeah, down securitized, to uh, securitized debt. We'll eventually top ourselves with that one. Uh, you know, we'll do better next time. Excellent or oh, worse? Oh, no. or worse? I mean, we'll do worse next. Well, time. yeah, worse. I think. 
That's that's what we're aiming for. Yeah, you, you know that in the UK, if you say that you top yourself, that means you commit suicide. <laughs> really? And really? Said, well, commit, yeah. So if you if I went to work and said, "Oh, fucking Alf's topped himself," people would think that you'd commit suicide. Wow, <laughs> that's that's yeah. an awful. Okay. Ouch. I gotta write that oh, down. Make sure not to say that, just in case. Yeah, you know, we have quite a few listeners from the UK. Yeah, I mean, when you said uh, we'll top ourselves, I was thinking, really? I mean, it's bad, but like, <laughs> I think really I a bit serious out over this. I don't, you know, the draft hasn't even happened yet, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That pick fifty-one hasn't come yet. Yeah. Speaking of uh, pick fifty-one, we won't talk about pick fifty-one right here. We'll do that in the second half of the show. We'll talk about the top of the draft. Okay. As far as tenants and Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, uh, McShay, as late as they're starting to change a little bit, but as late as mid March, some of them had four tight ends in the first round. Are they completely certifiably insane, Simon? Um, I mean, I would never say Daniel Jeremiah was certifiably insane at all. Um, Although he's changed it. Like I said, he's changed his stance on that. He has two in the first round now. Yeah, I think there'll be two in the first round as well. I don't know before. Um, Yeah, I think there'll be two. Uh, I know how high he is on them. He's incredibly high on Dalton Kincaid, who would be my number one tight end in the class. I can understand why he's high on him. Um, But yeah, I think there'll probably be two, maybe three, but I think two will go in the first round. Chris? I think three. I think I think three is a solid um, is a solid guess. It's just usually tight end number tight end three wouldn't go till actually pretty close to where we're picking, um, uh, average from an average standpoint. But um, but this is a really top heavy tight end class. It's also kind of a deep one, which is uh, which is a you know makes it really interesting. So um, you know three wouldn't surprise me at all. You know because I think Darnell Washington is is really gonna. Uh, have somebody's attention. All right, now let's start here because I I, I really find this uh, these rankings completely interesting. Uh, Lance Erline has Dalton Kincaid number one, and the more you watch of him, he's such a natural pass catcher. Um, he's not hopeless when blocking. He's clearly a first round talent, and we're going to talk a little bit about Darnell Washington, and we might talk about him a lot more in the second half of this show. But Lancerline has at tight end number three on his list, Luke Musgrave. And if you turn on the next gen stats numbers, and we've talked about how good they are at predicting where these guys end up going in these drafts, they got Luke Musgrave number one. Where are we on Luke Musgrave? And I'll start with you, Simon, because I look at him and and Lancerline says he's the second coming of Dallas Goddard. He feels really good about it. Uh, I guess Dallas Goddard is a nice player. Uh, I see so much Gusecki. Uh, there's so little evidence that he's actually, you know, a really, really good blocker at Oregon State. Um, I don't really get the Luke Musgrave love, but evidently a lot of people do like him. And like I said, these two people absolutely have him way up there. Your thoughts on him yeah. as a prospect? I think he's the most athletic tight end in the draft. Um, uh, my issue with him is, is that he's barely played. Really, I think he's forty-four. We did him on two-three YPC. I think he's um, I think he's only caught forty-four balls. I mean, he's tall. He's got great play speed. Uh, he separates, which is makes the significant difference between him and Mike Gesicki. He makes yards after the catch. He can pull away from second-level defenders. He's very sudden. His release is very sudden. Uh, he's a real weapon in the seam. He's consistent with his hands, um, and I think he's a he's a willing blocker. Um, he's certainly a better blocker than Kincaid is, um, but he's not polished in any way, shape or form. He's going to take time to come to the boil. Um, and I don't think the Dolphins can afford to pick him because that window, as we've talked about, is kind of open and they can't afford more more mulligans. I, I think he certainly has potential, um, but I just don't see him as a, a as a viable sort of top 40 guy. And I certainly don't see him as a guy that the Dolphins would pick at, at 51. Yeah, uh, one red flag that I do see in his game, and it's not something that I've actually seen because I haven't broken down his run game film uh, as much as I have the, these others, but Lanzerline says that he needs to pair his feet with his hands in the run game. That's a massive, massive red flag. That means he, is, he essentially doesn't know how to play in line. So I don't know where they where he goes with that, with that comment, but 
Chris, where do you go with this prospect? Because all I see is holes. And I understand he's very talented uh, athletically and as a pass catcher. But that just left town here. And that just got $4.5 million in New England to share time with everybody else. Uh, what am I missing here with Luke Musgrave? Well, you know, and I'm gonna. It's almost like I'm gonna counter contradict myself about three tight ends going in the first round, just because um, I, I think you have to take some cues at some point from what did just happen in free agency, uh, with respect to Mike Gesicki and um, and even Dalton Schultz. You know, and look at the their markets and what, you know, what what they ended up getting, and um, and I think that I think that there's sort of like how we're, we're, we're almost reaching a, a peak uh, in terms of the uh, undervaluing of the running back position. Um, that, it really stood out to me what, what the market was like with those tight ends that honestly aren't that bad, <laughs> you know, are, are pretty good, yeah. you know. Um, Mike Yosicki in the right scheme could be a, a really good player. Dalton Schultz at times has been a, a really good player. Um, and, and yet, you know, they're not getting any play. They're not getting much play in the markets. And uh, that makes me wonder about, you know, how, how the um, NFL are going to value guys that we see in the draft, particularly a Luke Musgrave, who I think is one dimensional. I think he's very savvy in the past game. I'm not that freaked out by, you know, lack of production. I, it, it is true. I mean, four year college career and you got 47 catches. And that's not that's not great. Um, but if we've seen lessons in the past about the tight end position, it, it's it becomes more about your future than your past as far as production is going. I mean, we got guys that had you got guys that were had really good careers that had basically no college career. You know um, that I mean, if you go back a ways and and you start talking about um, like uh, like Jimmy Graham or um, what was the what was the tight end forever and uh, with the Chargers um, that that Dylan was so Winslow good. and then Antonio uh, Gates. Well, Antonio Gates, I'm not going that far back. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that uh, yeah, like if if you look at Antonio Gates, um, the guys uh, who played in Denver for a while that, um, that who slips my mind, Adam Gaze ended up getting him in my the like, great Julius Thomas. Yeah, Julius Thomas. I mean, we're talking about guys that had virtually no college career at all and um and it's it really becomes about the the athleticism the pure you know basketball athleticism of these guys um so that doesn't disturb doesn't disturb me but it does disturb me how one-dimensional musgrave looks and in a draft which is i feel unusual in that it's full of guys who are very good blockers you know for that position we've we've had a stretch where the college tight ends were were not blockers at all, right? They just they just suck, right? Yeah. At, at blocking. Um, and then in this draft, you look at it, it's fat with blockers. So um, so I I wonder if if Luke Musgrave is going to actually suffer a little bit because of that, uh, because you're looking the the NFL are looking at all these guys and it's like, well, you know, in a class fat with blockers, here's here's a guy that you know is basically a wide receiver. Um, and those guys aren't getting money on the markets. So I think I, I don't buy that he's going to go that high. I mean, it only takes one team. We know that. But um, I don't think that he's going to go all that high. All right. Now, a guy who was supposed to go really high because he was the consensus number one tight end around, I would say, December. Ever since then, a lot of other guys have been introduced into the class. And depending on who you believe, this guy is anywhere from uh, tight end number one to tight end number four, and Lance Erline moved him down all the way to tight end number four on his list, which I find extremely odd because he has the best compar comparable of them all. He compares him to Jason Witten, but he has him behind three others, which I don't understand. What is happening with Michael Mayer? Uh, what's obvious is that he is under 250 pounds, at least that's how much he, he weighed, I believe, at the combine. Is that correct, Simon? Uh, if you say so, mate, I'm not. Because um, I got I, 249 I here, but everybody everybody keeps uh, saying that those those numbers are wrong, that those weights are wrong from the combine. 
but they're when, wrong. Why would they be wrong? Like I, we're talking about the stuff from the on the the combine, you know, NFL website. Yes, because uh, some some of them have been contradicted already oh, for some whatever well, reason. I, I think he, I think you I I don't I don't believe that they're wrong. I, <laughs> well, then so. we're gonna take their word for it and say that he's two hundred and forty nine pounds. Mm-hmm. But that two hundred and forty nine pounder ran a four seven flat and jumped thirty two and a half inches. Uh, his broad is nine feet ten inches. Um, he has a bad athleticism score from next gen stats, but what is not bad is his actual film. The man can play tight end. He's a consummate tight end. I will pencil him into the New England Patriots immediately, if not sooner. Uh, your thoughts of Michael Mayer? What's happened to him and his status as tight end one, Simon? Uh, I don't think anything's happened to him necessarily. I think um, I, I never get that sort of people are shooting up the draft boards. I was reading a GM today talking about how um, how they he set his draft board and he said, you know, the whole media thing about, you know, this guy shooting up a draft board, that never, ever happens in an NFL, with an NFL team. So by, by December, we all know who these guys are and the only things that change are you know, the the additions of information that you get when you get to East West Shrine, Senior Bowl, Combine, and they never, ever, ever vault a guy who is a day one, around one to four guy, never goes higher than one round based on anything he does in any of those games or any of the, the workouts. The only guys you ever get that vault more than one round are guys that are undrafted free agents who you have listed as undrafted free agents and they blow the doors off in a workout or turn up at the Senior Bowl and do an amazing job or the Shrine Bowl and do an amazing job. But um, I, I don't think he's done anything wrong. I think the thing that, you know, the media, in inverted commas, and that sort of draft media, Twitter, whatever, has seen is that, you know, he doesn't have elite athleticism, you know, he doesn't block like, like you know, the, what's the one standout thing? You know, he's got really good hands, he runs really good routes, and he's an excellent blocker. You know, he's he, he's a very, very dependable run blocker. And he wins, and he will win a, a good body contest. Like, he looks great. Yeah. He looks the part. But he's yeah you know, he's physical. He's got great hands. He has value in the run game. Like I said, you know he he can line him up in line on the wing. He can be flexed out in the slot. Uh, he you know he's not sudden, um you know. But he sets up defenders really well. I, I love how he uses his frame just to box out guys down the field to win. It's the sort of thing that Rob Gronkowski used to do. Is just use that big physical frame to box out defenders to to make catches. Uh, he's great in contested area. He makes great contested catches. He's not afraid to go over the middle. Um, and he'll he'll pick up yards after the catch. You know, I, I just um he just lacks that sort of elite athleticism. You know, he's not a Luke Musgrave in terms of a, an athlete. He's not Sam Laporta in terms of the ability when he gets the ball in his hands to really accelerate. But you know, I, I think he's a complete tight end and a guy that will just, you know, he's not my number one tight end. He's my number two. But I think he'll you know he'll play straight away. He'll start straight away, and I think he'll be really good for a long time straight away. Chris. I think he's a really good player. I like him a lot. I think that he's wound a little tight um, to me, uh, you know, but I think that, and his speed, I don't think there was anything weird about the way he timed or the way he jumped or did anything there. I think that's about what he is. Um, And I think that he's going to play in the NFL for a long time. The worry that I have with him is that, you know, in the NFL, in the NFL, if you're a star tight end, it's not because you're a blocker. Um, and it's, you know, it's not because not necessarily because you're, um, you know, you're, you're strong and, and, and things like that. It's because you do things in the passing game. So in some ways you're looking at like, say a Luke Musgrave, who we were just talking about and you're like, well, you know, I trust that guy to actually make an impact in the passing game. Um, how much, how much is, how much better is Michael Mayer truly than a Durham Smythe? You know, when, when you get into the NFL and train mm-hmm. them on, you know, like, cause everybody gets better. Everybody gets better in the NFL. Durham Smythe got better in the NFL. Um, you know, Michael Mayer is going to, going to get better in the NFL. When, when you reach the finish line, what are these guys going to look like? I do think he's better than that. I'm, I'm not trying to say he's Durham Smythe. Um, but, uh, and, and in fact, if you want to compare contrast with Musgrave, for example, I trust Michael Mayer after the catch a lot more than I trust Luke Musgrave. You know, I think that Michael Mayer had something like, uh, you know, he, he forced, he forced 12 missed tackles this year. He forced 31 in the, in the last three years. Luke Musgrave has forced two missed tackles his entire career, you know, hmm. uh, at, at Oregon state. I don't trust I don't trust uh, Musgrave after, after the catch. I would trust Mus- Michael Mayer because he's a strong tackle breaking type. I think he can do some damage that way. But it's you know what's the position value again? Go back to 
you know, the market and, and how much these guys paid and stuff like that. What's the position value? Are you taking a guy in the first round that basically you could have gotten for like $4 million in free agency? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's, that's the, that's the real fear, I think. Um, so that's why I'd be afraid of him. Uh, but he is a solid player. He'd play, he'd get snaps. I think he's one of the few tight ends in this draft that uh, for the Dolphins, from their standpoint, would definitely get a, a fair amount of snaps, you know, maybe, maybe like 600 snaps or something like that, because I think he could take jobs away from Durham Smythe um, in addition to being a good run-after-catch threat uh, in the passing game. But, um, but you know, it, just because he's a solid player, what does that translate to in dollar figures? You know what I mean? Like in, in terms of overall value. So that's that would be my concern. All right, and we're going to take these two uh, as a pair, and then we're going to go to break after we we get these done. But I think both of these guys have a an outside shot of getting in the first round, one more than the other. But um, Luke Shoemaker is is a guy that tested off the charts, but he's one of these guys that when you see him there and you say, okay, he ran a four six three at over two hundred and fifty pounds, great broad jump, looks the part. Good blocker. Good blocker on tape. But then you always remember, man, did he even play in the playoffs? And then you remember, yes, he caught that one pass. <laughs> you know, he's not a guy who stands out. But <laughs> he sure stood out in this run-up to the draft. And then we're going to take him and we're going to pair him with Darnell Washington, another guy who doesn't have many uh, – I'm not going to call it pass, you know, pass-receiving chops. I'm just going to say that there's little evidence that he's going to be a great pass receiver besides being giant and fast. <laughs> which is our two which are two qualities that are good to have i guess these two are mysteries to me and i would say darnell washington has a better chance of being in the first round than shoemaker but i wouldn't be surprised if neither if either one actually sneaks into the end of that first round your thoughts on this pair luke shoemaker darnell washington simon there is more chance of me ending up in the first round than Luke Shoemaker. I mean, that just isn't happening on any. Agreed. Level. I agree <laughs> with you. I mean, Mark this tape. No chance of that happening whatsoever. Um, I mean, he's not even the, I mean, he's a good blocker. He's not even the best blocker on his own team. Um, you know, Joel Honigford is the best Michigan, is the best blocker, the best tight end blocking at Michigan. Um, I mean, a guy who had one catch in the in the playoff. Oh, but what a catch! Not, would not be considered as some. You know, he is. This is to me a case of somebody who you know does show up and has some athletic traits and shows up in the combine. But when you put the film on, you know, this is not either. You know, he can block. He's a good block. He's a very good blocker, to be fair. Um, but this is not a guy that I would take. I, I wouldn't even take him on day two, uh, and the fact really? that game day looks not really, you know. I mean, I hmm. I, I would have a list of uh, of play. I mean, he can he he to me would be a sort of a value number two tight end. Um, I I just don't I just don't see it personally. I like Washington. Um, I think he has a ton of talent. Uh, I think that he is one of those players that I believe has been sent back for a medical recheck. Uh, on his knees and hips, uh, Sean Tucker has as well. Um, I would be concerned um, about the fact that he carries that weight on that frame. I mean, his frame's amazing, but just carrying that weight and and doing what he does on those knees, I, I think I would not be surprised to see Washington fall a little bit, actually, um, depending on what... I mean, we just have no idea what the medicals are. That information never really comes out. I mean, he is a unique human being at six foot seven, two hundred and seventy odd pounds, um, and I've seen him up close in real life. And actually, that height and weight don't do justice to what an enormous human being he is. I remember, I can remember being at Lambo and seeing um, the guy that was at my Jimmy Graham walked past me, and it was just like, holy fuck imagine him running into you and he was massive and washington is the same you know yes yeah, uh, it's the raekwon davis uh, effect <laughs> yeah i mean if your offense wants an offensive tackle who can run routes make guys miss after the catch 
then, you know, Darnell Washington is absolutely your man. And, you know, I have spoken to scouts, certainly at the back end of last year, two from the NFC, who said that their team had had conversations about whether or not if it didn't work out at a tight end, he just, he just adds, you know, 20 pounds and he becomes, you know, a sensational tackle um, because his, his blocking is, is that good or it can be that good. He can be inconsistent, which is that he can be sloppy, uh, I think, at times. And that that's a concern. Um, but look, that that tight end rumor. Um, people talk about, oh, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't catch loads of passes, and he didn't do this, and he didn't do that, and you know, he wasn't tight end two at Georgia, and that, you know, and, and absolutely he was, he was. But don't forget, he was behind Brock Bowers, right, the the best tight end in college football, and then Oscar Delp essentially was taking catches off him as well, and Delp was a five star number one tight end freshman, number one tight end in the nation who Georgia hooked up as well. So, um, you know, I, I don't think um, I don't think it was a massive uh, discrimination against Darnell Washington's ability just because, you know, the best tight end in college football and the best, uh, you know, incoming freshman in tight end in, in, in college football were also, you know, catching balls as well from that position. So I, I really like Washington. To me, um, yeah, I mean, under no circumstances would I ever think that Luke Shoemaker was making... Um, was making the first round. I, I think there are things, Chris, I don't know about you. I think that the issue for me with Washington, apart from the potential injury stuff, is a little bit clunky in and mm -hmm. out of his breaks. That You know, his separation isn't amazing when he's running, you know, some of those, you know, tightly wound routes. Do you know what I mean? Like those mm -hmm. in-cuts, you know, the short and intermediate routes. He doesn't have that kind of... um he doesn't kind of kind of have that instant separation where uh, he's a little bit tight in the ankles, a little bit tight in the hips. Um, but uh, when he gets the ball in his hands, he is. I mean, you go back and look at the hurdle against Oregon early in the season. He's, you know, it's uh, it's a sight to behold. And, and when he's on as a blocker, he is essentially just a six offensive lineman. You know, he's that kind of Lee Smith guy, the guy that will just absolutely waste you as a as a blocker when he's a you know when he's playing. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah calls him a moving billboard, which I think was a very uh, <laughs> very apt description of what he can do. One thing I could say about Darnell Washington, he could run a glance route, he could run a bow route, which was oddly enough two routes that Mike Kosecki could not run last year here and are two routes that Mike McDaniel loves to call for his tight ends. Uh, Chris, I guess you're going to take a giant dump on Luke Shoemaker, which means that he will be a Kansas City Chief and be paired in 12 personnel with Travis Kelsey. So <laughs> I don't think you want to even mention him, but I guess you want to go on on Darnell Washington. We could go on all. You've got some weird obsession with Luke Shoemaker that I don't understand. <laughs> I, yeah, that's this is this is. Well, odd. you talked about you talked about how the media keeps making up these uh these uh you know these rumors of guys moving up boards and moving down boards. Well, this is a guy that's moving up boards. <laughs> I don't think whatever he's moving up boards at all. Mate. He is not <laughs> he really moving. Isn't. He is not moving the needle anywhere, mate. And <laughs> I, I just yeah. I'm I'm going to say you know for for from the standpoint of the Miami Dolphins I doubt they'll even consider drafting him uh, Luke Shoemaker um, he is he is one of the most pedestrian guys that I can that I've yeah. seen in the draft as far as run after catch for a tight He's end a plotter yeah yeah 100 he is tightly wound he is a plotter. Um, yes, he he's got some long speed. He's got the good um, the the good long strider type uh, type of speed, and he showed that out, he showed that out. And he's strong. I I won't take that away from him. He's definitely a strong player, but he's got no rack skills to speak of. Um, you know, I don't think that you know what he made speaking. Oh, he he's he's another guy with two missed tackles in his entire college career. By the way. Um, no. But yeah. 54 catches in five years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, five years. <laughs> 54 yeah, catches five in five years. years. Pretty 10. much all 10.25 catches per season. And and pretty much all of them came in uh in in 2022 and, and 21. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I mean he's a he's a guy, he's got no run after catch skills to speak of. Um he, to me, he's tightly wound. I don't like the way he moves. I watched these guys, you know, the combine was actually nice and revealing. And yeah, the scouts know everything already, right? As Simon was um was was talking about. But you know, a lot of us get more exposure to them guys uh, to the guys in, in different situations, you know, when they're running their their drills at the combine. And to me, I just had he, he carried zero appeal to me. 
um, in the way that he moves and in the way that he stacks. So yes, I am going to take a large dump on him, just like Simon did. Um, but he goes I, in round I, one. I'll buy you a speedboat, Alf. <laughs> <laughs> and and no, I don't think that he's going to Kansas City and going to be like the next Travis Kelsey. Or anything. Simon and I both loved Travis Kelsey for the record. So, um, you know, we're, I, I think that, I think we had our arms around that one, but, uh, no, uh, as for Darnell Washington, I feel like I could go back and forth on, on him because, uh, in the passing game, he's, he's clearly very raw, I think in, in, yeah. in the passing game. And it's, it's something that, you know, the, the role that he had at, uh, at Georgia was clearly like he embraced the blocking in a way that maybe I've never seen anybody, any tight end do, um, I'm being honest on that, and but at the same time, that meant that he's raw in the passing game. Now, but go back to what I was saying before about these players that have virtually no college career. You know, like we're talking about um, uh, about what's his name uh, from Miami, uh, Jimmy Graham, and and uh, Antonio Gates, and you know, um, and and guys like that. Virtually no college careers, and and it's really all about the future and what their athletic potential you know, kind of dictates about their future. So what a surprise me, Darnell Washington comes to the NFL, uh, refines up, gets, you know, gets better in short area quickness with, you know, shorter, choppier steps and things like that. Cause he's, he's like such the epitome of a long strider, but, um, you know, would it surprise me if that all happened with just his incredible natural gifts and then, uh, and then his outstanding blocking and then be one of the top tight ends in the NFL. Absolutely not. It would not surprise me whatsoever. Would it surprise me if he gets moved to right tackle? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, like mm. because because a he can make a lot of money being a tackle, a left tackle, or a right tackle in the NFL. Uh, B he absolutely has the blocking chops to get there if he just trains if he trains up a little bit more, puts on a little bit weight uh, a weight and such. Um, and I think I find it fascinating, Simon, that you've had already had scouts talk to you and tell you exactly that yeah, absolutely. Like, we might consider this you know um because i would too you know we're looking for right tackles in miami right and mm. and i'm looking at him i'm like i think i could plug that guy in right tech <laughs> yeah. especially in this scheme you know um, I, have, um, I have one other nail for the luke shoemaker coffin oh no uh, he'll also be 25 in week yeah three of this I, I, I meant to mention that he's almost 25 yeah um, yeah, so so Darnell. Can he Washington... play right tackle? No, no, I don't. <laughs> no. Um, Darnell Washington possibly can. So he's he's really intriguing to me. I think it's about the future. It's not necessarily about um, college production, particularly with that position. Um, so yeah, he's he's very he's he's a really fascinating player. I like the way he moves. I like how strong he is. I like how great of a blocker he is. Honestly, it's it's, it's like a a unique thing watching him block to me anyway it's inconsistent i agree with you about it's inconsistent but you'll you'll watch one game and you're just like floored absolutely like i've never seen a, a tight end block like this you'll watch another game and there's like you know maybe 30 percent of the snaps so it's like oh you kind of took that off you know like you, you kind of took that that snap off or that play off um so you know but he, he is fascinating i wouldn't be surprised to see him fall i think there is the medical thing and i think there's also something of of a tweener thing about him it's it's very boom or bust the thing that i would say about the bust potential is at the very least you're going to move him to the offensive line and see what he's got there you know and yeah. and so that's uh that's that's why i would take him i would absolutely take him yeah one thing i like about darnell washington and you could see it and it's evident in all of his tape uh since he's so giant most you know most outside linebackers even in the sec are going to be a little bit under 235 pounds and most guys that play in that in those roles in the SEC are somewhere around 225, 230-ish. And they try to run past them because they think he's not quick enough to pick them up. He finds them. He finds them. Oh, he gets yeah. two hands on them. He squares them up and blows them up out of the play. I love how he, he sets got, up to he block. He's got the feet to be a phenomenal blocker. It's, it's, yes. it's, pretty, it's pretty fun to watch. Um, but the last thing I would point out, though, about him in the passing game, yeah, raw, but, uh, you know, who else Who else uh, in this draft, um, he's got one of the highest, you know, if we're, if we're talking about uh, run-after-catch ability, mm. like, he is one of the best run-after-catch tight ends in this draft. 
Um, you know, and he's averaging he's averaging seven over seven yards after the catch. Um, Darnell Washington is, and you know he's got some he's got some missed tackles or he's got some broken tackles too. You know, certainly more than the two broken tackles that some of the guys that we've talked about have. So he's he's really good. I think he's going to go in the first round. I think somebody's going to gamble on that future. Um, but you know, at the same time, based on you know Simon brought it up. He's he's uh he's got might have some medical stuff. So could you see him slip? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I believe so. I think he's a he's a guy that can slip because, you know, th- th- like I said, there's there's always warts with most of these guys that are going to go at the end of the first round, which, you know, like all these guys are a candidate to go in at the end of the first round, except Dalton Kincaid. I think he's he's firmly in the first half. Of the first round, he might be tied in. Except one. for Shoemaker, because uh, he shouldn't even be drafted. Simon and myself, <laughs> the, the, the Shoemeister might end up in the top ten by the time Al's finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised by you know Lance Zerline absolutely loves him, and I, I I don't really get it. Although there is there is good blocking tape on there. Like I said, there's I mean, good blocking what do you tape. You don't really get it. You put the guy in the first round ten minutes ago. <laughs> He's going to Kansas City, folks. Where does where does Kansas City pick? Thirty what? <laughs> There's more chance of Dorothy playing tight end in Kansas City than there is a Luke Schoonmaker. <laughs> he'll be picking. He'll be he had 35 catches last year, and that's almost all the catches he had in his entire career. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't see it. We're going to talk about the Dolphins in the second half of this show. Hopefully, not Luke Schoonmaker. <laughs> okay, I don't <laughs> think we're going to bring up Luke Schoonmaker. Here, there seems to be no evidence that the Dolphins are onto him, which means they'll take him 51st. Thank God. Thank God, yeah. <laughs> All right. First, these words. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. And we're back. All right, now we're going to talk about the Dolphins and tight ends in this draft. And I'll start with a que- with a, a question, Simon. You can answer yes, no, or maybe, and then elaborate. The Dolphins will take a tight end. On day two of the NFL draft, go maybe. Huh. <laughs> Where to say? You said yes, no, or maybe. <laughs> all right, now you got to elaborate why maybe why they might just pass on all of this altogether. No, because nobody think, at fifty-one, nobody on the trade down, nobody at eighty-four. Because I think that you'll be surprised where the Dolphins go on day one. I'm not sold that they wouldn't move up and use that third round pick to do so. I'm not sold that they wouldn't spend their 51 pick on a player and a position that I don't think many fans see coming. I, I would not rule out. This. You what? I know where you're going with this. Yeah, I would not rule out defensive tackle as yeah. a, you know, the, the Dolphins have uh, three defensive tackles on the roster currently, two of which are going to be essentially playing end. And the other one is uh, a free agent at the end of the year. Um this team needs serious help at defensive tackle. And I know there's a load of vets out there, and that's great, but you've got to continue to look ahead for the future. I would not be shocked in any way, shape, or form if they didn't take a DT um, well, at 51. To add to your point, Simon, if you look at the history with uh, Vic Fangio and that position and how Absolutely. many how many of them, how sheer quantity of them that end up you know, cycling through uh, the on the field getting snaps, uh, we don't have even close to enough, you know, yeah. and and additionally, Christian Wilkins is in line for a fat extension. Christian yeah. or, uh, you know, Zach Sealer is in line 
for a fat extension. Raekwon Davis is going to be up soon too. So basically every single guy is up for, you know, big contract, big, big raises. And, and, and that's all, that's all we have at the position. So, yeah, I, I just look at guys like, you know, I, I just see guys, you know, Carter obviously out of the range, Brian Brissy out of the range, Elijah Kansi probably out of the range. I mean, to me, Mazzy Smith is a top 15 player in the draft, but there are some off field issues and stuff with the guns, that sort of thing. If Mazzy Smith fell into our, you know, even to 41, you know, you look at the the kid at Baylor, Siaki Ika, who we did on 2 3 YPC the other day. I know, I know they like Keanu Benton. They've talked about Benton. Um, I think they they met with Jacqueline Roy, the kid from LSU, um, who they like a lot at the Combine. Uh, you've got the Dexter kid at Florida. I, to me, there are some there are some interesting defensive tackles who really fill what um, what this defense would look to do. I would not be shocked at all. So that's why I said maybe on a tight end. You know, I, I don't think it's I, look the, this. To me, and I've said it before, I don't think they can afford to mulligan again. I said it last week; they can't afford to mulligan again. Um, you know, with in terms of the draft, and that's what they did with Tyndall. Barely played, Zakama barely played. Um, you know, and Skylar Thompson played because you know we, our two quarterbacks got injured. But you, you know, the fact that he even made the roster was a shock. The fact that he was playing in the in the playoffs is a shock, and that wasn't was never the plan. But the fact that your seventh round quarterback. Um, who's your third stringer actually ended up playing more than the guys you took on on day two and early day three that's a you know that's a bit of a shock so they can't afford the mulligan and I think they just need somebody especially even if it's a defensive tackle who just comes into the rotation early he'll get a lot of snaps in this defense because that's what Vic likes to do you know and if that's a guy like Mazzy Smith then absolutely sign me up he was number one on Bruce Feldman's freaks list last year he is an absolute freak you watch him you know one hand really good centers from from the Big Ten, Luke Whipler at Ohio State, just hold them up with one hand, rip them away and make tackles. You see him against Steve Avila, against TCU, actually beast against beast. To me, he's a tremendous player. I just wouldn't be shocked if the Dolphins took a DT. Chris, you want to answer? This is the tight end podcast. But... <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I... I this is I, just I, me. I, he, he asked for an explanation. I'm elucidating on my reasons why I said maybe. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I actually, I actually do agree with you as, as depressing as, as it would, you know, in some ways be, um, relative to our, all of our expectations and, and all of our desires to keep building some of the aspects of the offense. Uh, yeah, that would not surprise me at all just because of, you know, like we said, look at, look at Vic Fangio's history and rolling those, those big guys in, in and out of the lineup, keeping them fresh. Look at the, uh, the contract statuses of these guys that we do have um 100 i think that that's true but you know we're talking about tight end here uh would the dolphins take one on day two um you know there's there's two ways that you can go about this when you have the the sort of uh fat class that uh that we have at tight end now you could say you know yeah we're gonna go for guys at the top because they might be elite you know say say darnell you know washington does train on he could be elite. He could be, you know, somebody that you look at and say, you know, gosh, we don't see guys like him very often. Um, but at the same time, you could also just be patient and wait and get somebody, you know, that's get somebody that is is far better than you'll normally get with a, you know, a later pick. Um, and that's, uh, you know, somebody like a Braden Willis uh, reminds me of that. It, it, and so. I think that uh, there are two ways that you can go about it, Simon. You know what makes me nervous, though. Um, you know, speaking of, uh, we're talking talking all kinds of trash about uh, about Luke Shitmaker just on the last segment. Um, <laughs> is, we even just, is you know Luke Shoemaker is somewhere in Michigan, and he's he's, li- he's he's listening to three yards per carry by by mistake. Okay, because he probably looked up a stat somewhere, and that's what came up, and he's like. Wait a minute! I'm all over this podcast. Why am I all all over yeah. this podcast? It's nothing personal, Luke. <laughs> it's nothing personal, Luke. But um, but you know the this this whole this whole shit maker discussion just brings to mind uh, you know one of the very last guys that Simon you and I just shat all over and, and we're like you know God I really hope the Dolphins don't take this guy. You know who that was? Austin Jackson. Well, well, you're missing yeah, a third so, guy mean, because I said he wasn't a first rounder. Yeah, I mean, he. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're <laughs> we were we were just 
I mean, I think there was a point where we're like, name somebody in the first round that you absolutely do not want the Dolphins to take. And I think we said Austin Jackson. Yeah, all of a sudden, Austin Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I remember why, because it was, it was one of the last mocks that came out had the Dolphins taking Austin Jackson exactly with that pick. I think it was a Daniel Daniel Jeremiah uh, mock. And I asked you guys for your opinion on that mock. And all of us were like, ugh, like, no. So Luke, Luke Schoonmaker confirmed at 51. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, I think that uh, I think the Dolphins, there's a good chance they could take a tight end in day two. Uh, I think there's enough of them. There's enough of them that satisfy their their requirements. They're, this is unique in that there's a lot of uh, tight ends that satisfy their, their requirements, their um, uh, what they what they like in terms of run after catch and blocking. You know, those are the two those are the two pillars for them. I think at this position is run after catch and blocking. And um, and I think that there's a, a number of guys that do it. I think that you know Darnell Washington's probably a pipe dream, but you know he would clearly be on their um, on their radar. I think Sam Laporta and Tucker Craft probably Tucker Craft. I think that they might have Tucker Craft above Sam Laporta, but um, those two uh, at 51 would certainly you know they would they would they they could play in the system. They could have bright futures. I think that Sam Laporta you know reminds me quite. A, I, I don't see. I see other people making comparisons to like Kittle and stuff. I'm not seeing that, but I do think that he reminds me a lot of Mark Andrews. Um, and so I think that he's a, uh, he's a good player. Um, I think that Tucker craft is, is, you know, more, a little, a little bit more violent. And I think a very, very quality player. And I know the dolphins have been talking to all these tight ends. Um, and so, and then I think you go a little bit further down. I think that uh, Brenton Strange, they really like him, and uh, I can see why. I know that um, you know maybe not all of us agree on that, but I think that uh, I think that he is a solid player. I think he's good after the catch. I think that he's a uh, he's a solid blocker. I think that all around, you know, he's I think he's I think he's a little bit younger too, if I'm not mistaken. But um, you know, I think that he's got a, a nice uh, a nice future. Um, and, uh, I think also you look at, I'm, I'm blown away whenever I watch Braden Willis of Oklahoma, he is a really good blocker. He's also, you know, he runs well, he's very smooth. He plays well, he plays very well and consistently. So after the catch, um, and I think that, uh, I think that he's, uh, he's a good option for the dolphins. I don't know where exactly he's set to go. But I know that he can be used in the backfield. I know that he can be used as like an H back or an F. Or I, I know that he can be used on the line. He's a very, very strong blocker that did some strong things in the passing game as well. Uh, and he runs well. He's got good athleticism. I would, I would take him all day and, and be very happy about it. No matter, you know, wherever, wherever that ends up, you know, as far as his grade and where, where the rest of the NFL are looking to draft him. Uh, I think that Cameron Latu uh, is another strong blocker, good to run after the yeah. catch, very physical player. Um, and then I think that uh, you know there's some 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 guys like Josh Weil um, that you might look at uh, that are that again good run after catch, pretty good blocker. I think that um, I think that this is the the same thing that you're going to hear for me anyway, over and over again about what, what sort of uh, tight ends they might be into. Um, so yeah, sort of round three, 84 ish. You're talking about maybe Brenton strange. Um, I don't know if Cam Latu, Josh Weil and uh, Braden Willis uh, rate high enough to be taken there. Um, but I, I, I certainly do think they fit. Um, but at 51, it's probably going to be all about Tucker craft and, uh, and Sam Laporta, given that Darnell Washington's probably not going to be there. All right, they've been tied to Tucker Craft, Brenton Strange, and Sam Laporta one way or the other this offseason, either by by most mocks or by actually actually working these guys out or speaking to them at at the combine. Um, let's take these three because I think that if I'm breaking down their picks and where these guys might go, we already spoke about Darnell Washington. If he's at 51, he's obviously in consideration, and he should be, in my opinion. He should be on their big board. He should be on their their BPA list at 51. Uh, he might be the BPA at 51. So we won't talk about him, but we will talk about these three guys as far as 51 and 84, because I think that they these three guys fit exactly right there. Tucker Craft, Brenton Strange, Sam Laporta. Let's let's try to compare these three and what you're getting with each one. Uh, I guess you could go first, Simon, and, and I'll throw this in. Sam Laporta looks better and better every on, on upon every single viewing, and 
you can't argue with the pedigree. Like, there's not much wrong with him. So your thoughts, Simon, on those three, the big three, I think, for 51 and 84, I think those are the three most likely. Uh, Chris, could you just go back and say Tucker Craft, Tucker Craft, Tucker, Tucker Craft, a bit like Chaka Khan, <laughs> Chaka Khan, Chaka, Chaka Khan, because that was really funny. And I didn't want to interrupt you at the time, but um, that was funny. Uh, Where were we then, Chaka Khan? Yeah, uh, I like Tucker Craft, but I do worry about the step up from from the FCS level um, to uh, to the NFL. That would be a concern about somebody that you're, um, you know, you're really trying to integrate quickly into that offense. Um, you know, because the FCS clearly wasn't ready for a two hundred and fifty four pound tight end who can catch and move as uh, as well as he he does and he did. Uh, great after the catch. Tackle breaker. I think he broke thirty-five tackles and one hundred and two catches, uh, which is more than um, which is more than Mike Gesicki broke in his entire Miami career. Five times uh, more. <laughs> Five times more than what Mike Gesicki broke in his entire. Um, I really like Laporta. You know, I like the Iowa, um, the 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 line of Iowa tight ends, obviously, and you kind of immediately think about George Kittle. What if he's? Yeah. Did you hear that little Kittle? missive the other day that he was working out with George Kittle? Like yeah, that doesn't I mean, get look, you uh, all lathered up. I don't know what will, right? I, I think the, the the wider point is look that there aren't that many George Kittles who've come into mm-hmm. the NFL over the last ten years. That's that's the point, and you know it's difficult to replicate. You know somebody who's as good as as he is. What the the plus is that you're saying about Laporta, extremely athletic. He played in a very limited offense at Iowa. He lined up all over the formation, flexed in the slot on the perimeter, in line. He's an excellent route runner. Uh, he is a middling run blocker. I thought he engaged pretty well. He uses his hands and his feet working pretty well together. He just falls off blocks too much. Um, so strength at the moment is an issue. Um, I mean, where would he be if he played in the Alabama offense or the Ohio State offense? You know what I mean? Would the, this would be a first-round guy, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a lot of his targets came on quick outs, uh, quick squirt, quick screens. I think he's excellent and very speedy after the catch. He's really bursty after the catch, until explosive after the catch. Um, I, I don't see Brendan Strange as a as a day two guy. I've got to say, I know that the Dolphins like him. I, I know that teams like him. I, I know that you guys like him. I, I would not have him as a uh, as a day two guy, and I think I'd be pretty surprised if the Dolphins took him. I mean, I'd be I'd be as shocked if they took him at fifty one as I would be if Luke Spunkmeyer made it into. Um, <laughs> into into round one and you've got your speedboat um although i do think he's a you know he'll get after it in the run game uh, they move him around the formation he's uh you know he's a solid player uh, to me i just think he's um you know he had some drop issues that would that would concern me um and i i like him i just don't love him uh but yes i i potentially could see a scenario in which the dolphins took him in the third round to me that would just be a little bit too too juicy because I just think you know he's you know he's fine he's absolutely fine he can move guys in the run game he's got you know I think he needs to improve his route tree um yeah but for me Laporte would be the standout of, of those three I like Kraft I think the step up's a bit much yeah uh, before, stranger kind of you know he's okay if, before yeah. having Chris weigh in here you said that Iowa's offense was limited Iowa Iowa State last year do you remember a, uh, a college football game that was worse than that one, Simon, since you watch a lot of college football? Because uh, I don't. Final score was 10-7, Iowa State. It was a juggernaut. It was... Yeah, I can't. I mean, any game with Iowa's <laughs> offense in is pretty, pretty. <laughs> that thing, that thing last year set football. Forget college football. It said football yeah. back a thousand years. <laughs> that thing was bad. Okay. That was as bad. By the way, Sam Laporta. Eight receptions, fifty-five yards in that game. Okay, so oh, what a what an average there. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris, take those three guys. Uh, you know who makes it out alive. You know, I, I think that um, I, I like Sam Laporta a lot. I, I I think that going back to the combine and watching these guys run their drills, um, there was not a tight end on the field at the combine that looked better running drills than Sam Laporta. Yeah, uh, he is. Mm-hmm. He is the most. And the, and the thing that you, the thing that you have to 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 say when you're just watching him do all this stuff is, he looks utterly professional. You know, like when he when he's running when he's running his routes, 
um, and he's doing the drills. The way he moves, he moves in a very smooth way, and he's athletic. So it's it's smooth and athletic. You know, he can change directions really well. Um, you know, I think that I think that there's nobody. I, I don't know which tight ends in the draft are more um, you know professional looking out on the route and with the ball in the air, uh, you know, possibly Dalton Kincaid, because that's, you know, that's what we're talking about. That's why he's, he's so coveted. Um, but, you know, and also as a blocker, I, I thought I saw an NFL uh, scout or, or personnel guy say something uh, recently about him as a blocker. He will, I mean, he, you can have him on the line and have him and have him get up on a defensive end. Like he can do that. I've seen him do it. Uh, including some big powerful ones, you know, some big 270, 280 pounders. Um, you know, he can do that. He can also, he can chip anybody. Uh, if you're talking about what sorts of, you know, what sorts of guys do you trust in the block? I don't think there's a, there's a guy on the field that you don't necessarily trust in the block. He does have work to do. Do they all have work to do? Um, but you know, I think that, uh, he's a strong blocker. He's good after the catch as Simon is, uh, detailed. Um, I think he's, you know, he's very savvy in the past game. This is why this is why it reminds me of Mark Andrews, actually, is because of how savvy he is and uh, professional he is on the in the passing game. So I like him a lot. Tucker Craft, I, I share the same concern Simon would, you know, FCS to this year. We don't have a big window, you know. Um, so, you know, what are you going to get from him this year? Are you, If you're just going to get three or three or four hundred snaps out of uh, out of a guy this year at tight end. Then I I wonder if you've basically failed the pick, you know the fifty one mm-hmm. pick, because the window is not going to be open very long. I mean, hell, Tyreek Hill just said that he's not mm-hmm. going to play, you know, beyond twenty. I think it was twenty twenty four, right? Twenty twenty five. Well, he's, is he retiring in twenty twenty five or is he playing twenty twenty five after twenty twenty five? Okay, so yeah, three more seasons. Be- He's not going to be playing very long. Um, you're going to have fat contracts coming up for Jalen Phillips, Jalen Waddle, Tua Tungavaloa, Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer. Um, you know all these guys. God knows, you know the clock is ticking on guys. Robert like Hunt's going to want ten million dollars a year. Sure, a year sure from absolutely. Now. Connor Williams is due a um, is due a contract extension, um, and and you know the clock is ticking on both Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. You know, and so. Uh, the the window is not going to be open very long, and so if we're getting a guy, this is the danger of picking a tight end at all at fifty one, right? Is if you're getting a guy who's just going to play like four hundred snaps as your as your kind of halfway number one, halfway number two tight end, then I don't know that you're getting the impact that you really needed from that pick. You know, it's not it's not the red shirt that we're talking about with like Channing Tindall and Eric Azakama. But I, I think you need significantly more than that for a, a team whose window is right now, right now, um, from that fifty-one pick, and and that's why I keep going back uh, to to right tackle. But um, but I think that uh, I think that these are good players, though. All three of them, I like Brenton Strange a lot. Uh, I think they're all pretty young. I think they're all like just turned twenty-two. Um, you know, and, and so I think that uh, I think that there's. It would normally be a good deal. I would feel differently about this if they if there wasn't such a closing window, if there wasn't such urgency, um, and and really, frankly, some glaring holes on the team. Um, so, but yeah, I think that uh, I think that day three. But again, I keep going back to Braden Willis. I mean, you really got to watch the guy. You really, really got to watch him play for Oklahoma and and what he could do. And if somehow Miami could acquire. A fourth round. I don't know where he's going to go. Frankly, I'm not. You know, I'm not Simon. There's no better expert on this uh, this draft that you're going to find. Um, you know, out there other other than maybe Lance Zeroline or somebody like that than Simon. So he, you'll know better where he's going to end up going. But I, you know, I I think that that is such a strong potential pick for us um, if the Dolphins are somehow able to get the the right you know acquire the right pick to uh, to get him. Um, and you probably wouldn't have to pay as much, and yet you probably would get as much impact given that none of these guys, other than maybe a Darnell Washington, um, would you know be 800 snap guys um, in in 2023. So that's that's the concern. All right, it's day three now. 
and 51 and 84 have passed and no tight end has been taken. So now we're into day three and we're looking at the guys that are available on day three. There's a couple of like physical dynamos in there. I will, I will take one right away that everybody's going to keep asking me because I'm the resident hurricane guy. Will Mallory can't play football. He's not good. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, that's a bold statement. right there. <laughs> Uh, you know what he's good at? If you can get the ball into his hands, first of all, you know, getting it into his hands is part of the shore, right? But if you can get it into his hands, he can run away from people. Like, he's fast. Like, he can run. He's, he's a good athlete, good size. He's he's just not. He's He'll be on a practice squad in the NFL next year. Um, maybe somebody takes him in the, six, in the sixth round because they have a really good evaluation on him. Man, there's one that I do see that is a physical dynamo. Great size. Tested off the charts. And, man, I keep looking up his pronunciation, and damn it, if the pronunciation of his name is not Zach Kuntz. You're getting yourself in trouble right now. I'm I'm looking at Old Dominion, and it says K. What does this mean? K-U-H-N-T-Z. What is that? uh, Huh? That's, that's a cunt. That's a cunt. If I've ever seen one. <laughs> Your thoughts, Simon? Let's start there. Let's start with the physical dynamo, dynamos, because that's who that's who's going to be taken in the sixth or seventh round at tight end. You're not going to get a finished product that can play 400 snaps. You're going to get a project in the sixth or seventh round, and that's what Miami will have left once they get to day three. Man, I got that guy at the top of my list, and I don't have much else behind him. Uh, your thoughts, Simon, on Zach Cunt? And anybody else you may have for day three. Yeah, I mean, to me, Zach Kuntz is just a guy. Actually, um, really? I'm not. I'm not a fan. I just think he's, you know, he's all height. If he was six foot four, people wouldn't give a shit. Really, he's so raw. Um, I'm just not a, you know, I'm just not a huge fan. I, yeah, he ran a four five five. You know, great broad jump, but I, I just, um, to me, I just don't see it. You know, he's athletic, and that's kind of. That's kind of it, really. Um, in terms of guys that I like later on in day three, look, that you know, there's, you know, there are some players that I think, oh, I'd be, you know, I mean, I, I, the guy that interests me a little bit, although, you know, he's obviously fallen off the cliff a little bit, but but Jaleel Billingsley, um, who was at Alabama, now at Texas. I'm a big fan of, um, I'm a big fan of a guy Chris mentioned who probably will go on day two, but might fall into the fourth round. And that's Cam Latu of Alabama, who essentially, you know, replaced him. Uh, there's a kid at Louisville, Marshawn Ford, quite interesting. Um, and then I think, you know, Chris mentioned two of the guys. Obviously, you mentioned Brenton Strange, Braden Willis. The other guy is Davis Allen at Clemson. He yes. kind of was. I was going to mention him. Uh, we didn't, we didn't mention him in day two. I think he has a so shot at day two, maybe, but he's a day three guy. Well, you I'm surprised you haven't put him in the first round, mate. Uh, <laughs> no, that's Luke Shoemaker. That's yeah, Luke Spunk Myers in the first round. But yeah, um, yeah, um, so yeah, that 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 would be me. I mean, I, you know, I, I I think the value is definitely in that. You know, Kincaid in Mayer in Washington, Musgrave I could take or leave. Kraft, Laporta, Latu. To me, they're the that that's the class of the group, and then I think you know there is some absolute hay to be made in in guys like Willis, Allen, Strange. You know, maybe throw in a you know Luke Ford at Illinois, or you know, look where is Billingsley in terms of you know because I I think he did pretty well at the Texas Pro Day. So, um, so yeah, I'd be I'd be interested in those sorts of guys. Chris, day three fodder. What do you have for us? Well, the the problem is that once we pick at eighty four, I don't think we pick again until one ninety seven. You yeah. know, um, yeah. so th- that's that's a massive hole, um, and I don't know if the Dolphins have plans to try and fill that. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they do, um, and, and if they do, then that's when you're talking about a Josh Weil of Cincinnati, or you know, um, maybe Cameron Latu, or maybe Braden Willis uh, that I mentioned, um, Zach Kuntz, uh, you know, I. Listen, I'm I'm a I'm a sucker for the guys that are that that are really athletic dynamos, right? Um, just off the charts kind of kind of guys like this. But Zach Kuntz, when you watch him play on the field, um, I, I've kind of compared him. <laughs> I've kind of compared him to a cross between you know Mike Gesicki and Matt Jones, and uh, and unfortunately, I think it's more Matt Jones than Mike Gesicki, um, mm. and. 
and I, I just don't, I don't, I don't see it working out. Like I, I don't see, I don't see athletic uh, balance and, um, and, and just, you know, kind of be an athlete type skills. I, I see a, a guy that's very awkward looking um, who can run in a straight line, jump pretty well and maybe catch it. Um, and it, you know, I, I don't see much, I don't see much else. He looks very awkward to me. Uh, I don't, I don't see him being, you know, a very, uh, polished looking athlete, uh, that, that makes plays. So, um, so no, I wouldn't go there. Um, you know, the dream would be if to me, you know, as I've mentioned him so many times, if Braden Willis made it to like 197 and somehow, and we're able to take him, and it's like, well, I, I'm pretty sure unlike some of the guys we took last year that were just all red shirt, uh, I'm pretty sure that he would play and I'm pretty sure that he would play fairly well. Um, right away and uh, and get some get some mileage out of them in uh, in 2023. But um, but other than that, you know, uh, we've mentioned it. You know, uh, Josh Wild, Cameron Latu, Braden Willis, uh, guys like that. Um, and and we'll see we'll see if Miami has plans to fill that that big that big hole in their draft uh, so that they can get some some uh, I guess uh, contributors. Uh, yeah. but I'm not sure. Braden Willis does have that profile of a guy that was going to play and play a lot last year until he got concussed. Stephen Carter, right? Kind of yeah. speedy, blocky, uh, you know, a blocker specialist, H back type, right? Yeah, I think he, I personally, I just think he's so much more of a, um, a compelling looking athlete on the move mm-hmm. uh, and and with the ball in the air. Um, and he's and he's very he's consistently good after the catch. He breaks tackles. He um he can he can be used, you know. He's like Seaton Carter, and as much as Seaton could be used like an H back or mm. fullback, you know, uh, kind of wannabe. Um, in fact, I think he was primarily being used in preseason as like a fullback uh, in, instead of um, what's his name, who uh, who who wasn't able to, I think, play for a, for a lot, or he was still he was still coming off injury. Alec Ingold. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so he, he does he does remind me of that. But I think he's I think he's just. He's more he's more of an all arounder than than I would have expected, um, and so that's that's why I keep singing his praises. But Davis Allen is is a good shout too. He's a little bit he's a little bit to me of a lumberer, um, you know, as far as the way he moves. Um, but you know, I think if you're talking about day three, uh, you can do a lot worse. Yeah, well, I tend to agree. All right, uh, you guys got damn near an hour and a half of tight end talk. Uh, mixed in with about fifteen minutes of defensive tackle talk from and about Simon. and about a solid sixty minutes of uh, shit maker talk, spunk monkey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next week, guess what? Uh, Simon could go on for an hour if he wants to on defensive tackles because we're going to talk offensive line and defensive line next week. Oh, for but... fuck's sake! That's going to be like a two and a half hour show. <laughs> Jesus. Well, we'll available. start with offensive line on Monday. How's that? Okay, we'll take defensive line later on in the it's week. Easter Monday, mate. That's not happening. Okay, let's make it Tuesday then. It is Easter Monday. We'll make it Tuesday then. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.